Hello, everyone. Magandang gabi sa inyong lahat. That was Tagalog, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> That's all I know. We won't go any more into that. I am so thankful to be here um, on behalf of all of, and I know all of you know Dayspring very well, and my father-in-law and our ministry. By the way, <laughs> if you're wondering how is Pastor Scudder going there, and you're here, and it's your, your father-in-law's church, it just time worked out, and it's what God wants, so I'm here. But anyway, um, our church is so thankful for all of you. My father-in-law and all of the members wanted me to make sure I told you how much we appreciate you. There is a phrase we use in Tagalog that is very uh, affectionate, and it is, mga minamahal kapatid namin. Mga, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you don't know if I said it wrong anyway. Um, and it's, it, means, it means this, uh, brothers and sisters in, that we love. And we don't use it on very many people, but we would use it on you. We believe, we feel like you guys are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we love you guys very dearly. We are so thankful for all you've done for our church. Um, so thank you. Um, we, my wife and I, my wife was Sarah. There's Sarah. She is an amazing, an amazing uh, missionary, an amazing wife. You know, there are a few decisions you will make in life that are like, man, I, I nailed it. And that's one of them. She's been everything and more. Um, I try to preach in Tagalog every once in a while, and she helps me big time. She writes down all my mistakes, which is a lot. I mean, she's writing down for a while, but I am very blessed to have a good wife. So thank you, Sarah. We also actually have a few students from our church here. Um, Bet, as you heard her singing earlier. By the way, who's doing projector? That was great. You kept up with the, the lyrics and you didn't, did you know Tagalog? That was good. Um, and we have Elizabeth, we have Raphael and Princess and Steve. Uh, we're very proud of them. You guys can keep them on the straight and narrow path for us. That would be great. Our goal is to take what, what we see here and just kind of pick it up and put it in the Philippines, make it Filipino style. So the building is being built, as you saw. It's, it's pretty close. Um, I, Pastor Paul, I remember him mentioning a while ago that we've been meeting in there even while we've been building it. It's just the Philippines is different. So we are now getting our upstairs auditorium finished up. They just had a work day yesterday in the Philippines to get a lot of that ready for Pastor Scudder. So for that groundbreak or that uh, ribbon cutting ceremony. So we are going to move up there so that we can now prepare the downstairs to start our school. We want a preschool, a Christian school. Actually, I could tell you a lot of things that our ministry does in the Philippines. I mean, if I went and did a list, we could spend the next 30 minutes on that and we could just go home. But I think you cannot really know what we're doing fully by just the pictures you saw or little things I tell you unless you hear about some of the stories. So could you guys put up the first picture on here? Um, there's a picture of a family I believe you have or maybe not. Um, I'll just tell you about them. The other one. Sorry, not that one. Um, yes, that one. Some of you may know of the Cruz family. Um, this is, uh, April is the mom, Randy, and then the kids, Yan Yan and Sai Sai, or their real names are Adrian and Audrey. I don't know why we call them Yan Yan and Sai Sai. But, um, this is, this is something that is so amazing. So, th- when they first moved, came to our church, it was, th- it was just April, the mom. She lived a few blocks away and she found out about the church and she came from an invitation from some someone of her family. And she heard the gospel and she's like, yeah, good, whatever. 
you know, not a big deal. Came back a couple times still, and she got it. She got saved. She is now, <laughs> she's like the Tina Maloney of our church. I mean, she is bringing people in. She's so friendly and inviting to everyone. But their life was really difficult before that. She came to church, but her husband was not a part of their family very much at all. He, they were obviously still married, but he was, and this is not, I'm not telling something he wouldn't share with you. He, he was very stuck on drugs, like big time. And it was in the time when the government was allowing for you to just, if you're a drug user or a drug seller, like, and someone kills you, no big deal. You know, no, no foul. So they were worried about him often. And that kind of, when you get into that life, especially in the Philippines, it's really hard to ever get out because they will come bring you back. And not only that, but he, he struggled with, with, that anger that comes from that. His wife would come to church with long sleeves to hide bruises. Their family life was awful, just not much hope. But she really wanted him to get saved. And she pushed and pushed. And my father-in-law, they, they would do Bible studies and try and try. And eventually, after years, like I, even when I came in 2018, the first time, um, I remember, you know, they had counseling and meetings and stuff. And eventually, he got saved. And little by little, he began to grow. And the life was from what they thought was nothing and a wasted life, which is so many people in our area, their lives are like that, to now they, they're so active in the church. They go on vacations together. They have their own business. They have, they have enough money to get by and a little bit extra to have fun in life. Whereas before the mom, April, she's working two or three jobs just to get by, to keep her kids, give them food, to get them into school and pay all the bills. And, and they didn't, they would have days they didn't know where dad was or if dad, they didn't know if they wanted dad back. But now we had a Father's Day service, a few, whatever Father's Day was. And, he preached the Father's Day message on the benefit, the blessings of being a godly father. In fact, their family has changed so much. I mean, these two kids are like Quentin Road kids. And when I say that, I mean like Quentin, like you would think they go to school here. They, they don't have cell phones. They're respectful. They're, they're very good kids, very involved in the ministry. They get it. They want to be involved, but they don't go to a Christian school. They have to go to the public schools where there's a lot of pressure, a lot, a lot. Like you think America has a lot. It's like crank it up 10 times pressure to just abandon anything that God teaches. Now, the next picture, the other one you guys showed, can you put that up? This is another family. And this is how God works. It's so amazing. Do you remember at Days from Waukesha, uh, they had their builder who kind of God brought to their church and he helped build their building. Well, this is our Matt. This is our guy, Joel. He, his wife came to our church after the pandemic in like the bottom place. She just nowhere to go. Like her, she found her husband trying to hang himself and leave his wife and, and his son behind. She came to church. She just, boom, heard the gospel. and like, what? It's, it's a free gift? Like, yes. And, and then she's like, I got to get my husband to hear this. He's got to hear this. He's got to know. And so she said, Pastor, can you please come? So he came to the, to their house and he wouldn't, he would like, you know, hide. I don't want to see the pastor. And eventually time and time again, he, he allowed them to give, do a Bible study. He allowed them to talk to them and he shared the gospel. And after a few times, he, he came to church. He heard the gospel and, and it started to make sense to him. And he put his trust in Christ and their life has just, and, and they came, 
within two years ago, less than two years ago, their lives have just turned around totally. Like, they, they, he's building our church. He's taking less money to do it. And his son, they, they have just embraced God's plans for parenting. And, and so, which means they have decided, hey, we need to discipline you for your actions. And that discipline is hard, fast, and low. And their son's like, why are you doing this to me? And they're just kind of explaining, well, this is God's plan for parenting. And this is because we love you more because we know the truth. And it's just these lives. I could tell you a story after story of lives that just went from nothing, from awfulness to being something of worth and value and redemption. Uh, one more story I want to show you is, do you have the last picture? Yes, that one. This is a kid named Henry. He's about in his 20s. And he came to our church before the pandemic. And he got saved. And then pandemic came, he couldn't come, and then he kind of totally went back into his life before, which was a, a, a gay lifestyle. And he struggled big time and was just miserable. Came back to church about a year ago. Actually, a few, the week before we left was his one-year anniversary back in our church. And we, I, he sat down with me, and I explained to him about how you cannot lose your salvation. And then my father-in-law explained to him how you cannot lose your salvation even better and better to Tagalog. <laughs> and then he totally was like, this is awesome. I, he was crying. He thought I just, he thought I'd lost his salvation. He thought God can't possibly love me for my lifestyle. And now what's amazing is he is just, he works, he's, he had to leave school at 16 because his, he's the, breadwinner of the family. He makes about four bucks, seven bucks, I think seven bucks a day, works overnight. When he's done working, he will go to our church and he will help us with our, whether we go out, pass out tracks or invite people to church, he will do that, go get another couple hours of sleep, go back to work and then come back to church. And even though it's kind of an up and down journey for him and his life is, is pretty rough, he is so just, just on fire. But you know what the sad thing is? He can't go back to school because if he ever went back to school, he, this is what he told me, it, he would be, his, his friends and everyone, they would just pull him back into that life because it's so dark. And so in, in the Philippines, the schooling, the people, they just, they do not want any good values. In, and so they will kick you away. They'll push you away as far as they can. He knows if I go back there, I'm not going to make it. So he can't get his education. So what am I telling you this for? Because our goal, our prayer in our church, the reason why we're building this building is not because we want a nice, comfortable space to have church, but because we believe, just like here, that we can reach the next generation, starting with a preschool and building our way up through a school. And that's our prayer. So I'd ask if you guys could pray for us in that. That would be huge. That's our, our goal. These kids are all learning so much, but... It's only so much when they go back to their schools and, and you're having to compete. I know one of the testimonies today was, how do you compete with the world? That's something we feel like we're having to do a lot. And um, I am very thankful for my upbringing. Um, I am, my, most of you know my mom, Jane Vasquez. She kept us in this church and did a great job. And I am, I am so blessed to have had a great mother. Not only do I have a great mother, I have two great brothers. Most of you know my brother Paul. I'm super proud of my brother Paul. He is the in grace film guy. I don't know what you call him, but like he's, he's doing, he's just a, a constant encouragement to me to just keep going. My brother Joe, I, I come from a, a, a great family and I'm very blessed to have that. Um, and I know this church, you all love the Philippines and we are so thankful for your love. 
sending mission trips over, mission teams. Pastor Scudder's going there now. I know it's not easy for all of you guys, especially Pastor Paul was with us uh, just a little while ago on one of our building days, Pastor Paul and Molly. And I just have to tell you this real quick because you guys have to know how your leadership, they are such a blessing. And when they come, they give everything they have. We had a work day and it's hot in the Philippines and it's hot and humid. So what we do is we work and we take a little break and then we work, take a little break. Well, Pastor Paul was like, go, I mean, he, I, I think he's a little older now in his fifties. I don't really know how old he is, but he's not a young guy. I'm younger than him. Well, I don't mean in a bad way. Like you're very, you're very active. Well, this is good. He's working, working, working the whole time. And the men in our church are like, Nate, like, we would like to take a break, but we're too shy to ask him. Like, I'm not, I'm not asking him. Like, so we just kept going and we were exhausted. So finally the day comes to an end. I'm bringing Pastor Paul back to his hotel to get a little shower and stuff. And he's like, man, you, you men, they work really hard. Like they didn't, I wanted to take a break. I'm like, you wanted to take a break? Are you kidding? We did. But not only that, Pastor Paul has an incredible ability that I don't think most of you know about. I came around the corner of our building and he's teaching them. You guys know that song like, I don't know, but I've been told. I don't even know the lyrics to that. He's teaching them this song. They don't have lyrics on the screen. It's not their first language. And they're following him perfectly. Like they're all singing this song. And I'm like, this is incredible. Pastor Randy, I don't know where he is. You've got some competition. Like this is real. Anyway, I probably shouldn't keep going anymore, but we are so thankful. Uh, we're thankful for Pastor Scudder and his, his commitment to the Philippines. And like he said, it really is uh, the training ground for missionaries. Now, many, many missionaries are going out, and we want to be a part of that in our church as well. So um, today, I'd like to talk about a title, Come and Hear. And it comes from the verse in Psalm 66, 16. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. So today I'd like just to take a moment to declare to you what God has done for me and my wife as we have been on our faith journey following God where he's called us. And for all of you, God has a calling for your life and a direction and a plan he wants for you. For me and Sarah, that just happened to be in the Philippines. Some of you, it will be to be here in, in Lake Zurich area. And you know what? I, 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 I'm with Seeing this area, I hear for Epic Challenge and in the, in the Bible College, and there's all these internationals. You guys can like be missionaries from your own home. That's, that's sweet. That's great. Um, but, but there are basically three ways in which we learn lessons. If you're a parent here or a, or a teacher of some way, there, there, there are three ways you that help us to really pick up uh, to help kids really learn things, and even adults. And these are the kind of the three ways. Uh, there is by personal experience, by observation, and by, what was the other one? There, there we go, observation, and by instruction. Now, kind of like this, how, how many of you have touched a hot hot pan before? Yeah, like, ow, oh, ooh, don't do that. Yeah, okay, that would be the personal experience, right? Or then some of you who here have seen somebody else touch the hot pan, like, yeah, I'm not touching that, and you didn't, you learned from observation. How many of you have learned by mom said, don't touch the hot pan, and you didn't touch it? That's awesome. That kid is a really good kid. I didn't learn that way. So let me, let me help you understand this. My, when we wanted to be in the Philippines, uh, we thought, okay, we need to start saving some money somehow. Where can we cut from the budget? So I got, when my wife and I got married, I said, hey, what could you cut my hair? 
for me. That would save us a lot of money, about 20 bucks a week, right? Or a month, not a week. I don't get my haircut every week. 20 bucks a month. So, okay, great. She's like, I'll do it, but I don't know how to cut hair. So you got it. She, she needs to learn how to cut hair. Now, she could learn by personal experience, which would be like just trial and error. But when my brother Paul was little, I remember my dad was cutting his hair. And I, there's this time, some of you know this, like there's a time where it was just, oops, I think I can fix that. And then by the time he was done, like he had a buzz and he didn't want the buzz. It was winter. So I was like, Sarah, I cannot have you learn that way on me. The other way you could learn is observation. Now, I thought observation would be, I've gotten my hair cut for a long time. I know, I've observed it. I know the process. I will instruct you through my observation. You know, she probably could have learned through observation on like YouTube or something. Well, so I would tell her what she was doing wrong that first time. And so from when we started to when we finished, it's about an hour and a half the first time because I just kept instructing her in, in a way that she didn't like. Uh, most of us like, no, you're doing it wrong. And she, and so what I had learned was she was able to do it on her own. Um, another way you could learn, though, is through instruction. Someone could just tell you how to cut their hair, and you could just go and do it. But someone just saying, you know, cut this, cut with your left hand and go down and then go up, like that probably wouldn't really teach you the full thing you need to know. You do need to practice. We didn't have any wigs. So anyway, I will just tell you, she's been cutting my hair the last two years. I don't know if you think it looks good or not. Uh, it's probably just my styling that doesn't look good, but she does a great job with that. So the, the same is true about the, about the word of God and how God will teach you. And this is why I love the Bible and, and why I love being in church, because God teaches us through these three ways. What God, God's word has an instruction in our lives. Um, and then it also has things we can observe from people's stories. So here's, here's a way I could kind of summarize that for you. Proverbs 3, you guys know Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not on thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. So God, God gives us the instruction, we should trust him, right? Sounds pretty simple. But if you're like me or you're like most people, the instruction sounds great and we say yes, but when it comes to practical living, it's not always that easy. When we decided to go to the Philippines, and I just want to kind of summarize a quick for you, just kind of maybe you can relate in your own life about wanting to do something that God had directed you or trusting God in a way that seemed unusual to you. There were a few things that were just you know, unusual. I did not expect that. First one, Pastor Paul and I were having a conversation about it and he floated the idea, what about self-funding? And I was like, self-funding in the Philippines? You know, that was a, that was a curveball. We prayed about it. We decided, okay. Another, another curveball that came our way was we were, Pastor Paul and I talked about it. Hey, Nate, you need to plan out how much money you think you need in the bank account. How much is, is it going to cost to get a place to stay, a car? Um, how much income would you need? How would you do that? So me and Sarah went to work and we saved a lot. We worked really hard on weekends. Um, and, and we, we applied for a teaching position through online tutoring. We got accepted, had a contract ready to sign as, as soon as we we're ready to start. We we're ready to go. We hit our dollar amount. We were ready to go to the Philippines. And then as many of you know, March of 2020 came. Can't go to the Philippines. We're locked down. And then, you know, how long is this lockdown going to work? Well, Philippines turned out to be a very, very long lockdown. So that was like, oh my goodness, like what's going to happen? I mean, our boxes are packed to ship and go. We were like 
like a week or two away from shipping then when the lockdown came. So that was another like, okay, this is not making sense. What's going on? Then Pastor Paul says, hey, Pastor Rehoff in Waukesha at Dayspring could use some help for a year. Since you decided to stay for one year, why don't you guys go up there and intern for a year? And I said, well, I was planning to go to Dayspring, but not that Dayspring, Dayspring Philippines. And I don't know, God, if you knew this, but I like, I hate the cold. Actually, a confession to all of you. I hate the cold so much. I'm wearing a sweater underneath my barong today because it's freezing in this country. (laughs) So, okay, God wants us to move up to Waukesha. Okay, so we did that for a year. And then we loved it, and the time was coming, a little bit over a year, time to leave, move out to the Philippines. We had we had opened up one of those credit cards where you get a lot of miles for free, so we saved money on that way to get our tickets. And we had our job ready to go, and then I, about a month or two before, we already had our flights booked, everything. Boxes were sent, and then China comes out with this rule that uh, they will no longer allow for Americans or Westerners to teach their students online. You, a company cannot hire us. And that was what we were going to do, teaching Chinese students. And we were like, are you kidding me? Like, how are we going to survive now? And then about two weeks before we were going to go, the airlines contacted us and said, "This our airlines are no longer, our partner airlines are no longer providing that route to the Philippines. Your tickets are canceled. You'll have to find another airline. What? So even till now, they don't provide that route. So then now we're going to have to pay some more money. And when things like that happen, you kind of start to wonder, like, am I, am I about to make the biggest mistake of my life? Is this really what God wants me to do? But we really knew, we felt God calling us there. We knew there was a need. We knew that, that the church was just ready for growth and that Sarah would be great there. I don't know about me, but we knew that that would be something that God wanted. So we were like, okay, we're going to trust God. And and this is a story that encouraged us in that time and even till, till now, the story of Gideon. If you have your Bibles, could you go to Judges chapter 7? Judges chapter 7 is where we'll be. The story of Gideon. Many of you know the story of Gideon. And uh, you're probably familiar if you grew up in Sunday school. Or if you're not familiar with the story, you should read it, Judges 6, 7, and 8, when you get home. We won't spend all day on that. I only have a few minutes left. <laughs> so um, the story everyone's familiar with is the fleece. And you flip over the fleece. God said, you know, flip it over if it's wet, good. If it's dry here, good. You're familiar with that story. Well, I don't want to focus on that part of the story for today. Um, I want to focus on how God told Gideon, I'm going to use you. God wanted to use Gideon to help his nation, his people, the Israelites, uh, take off the shackles from their oppressors. The Midianites and their allies were oppressing them. They were ready to just release themselves from that. And God was preparing Gideon to do that. What God says in, in, in Judges chapter 7, verse 1, then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the wall of Harad so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. So they're ready for battle. God says, I want Gideon you to do it. Gideon says, okay, I'm going to get a big army. I'm going to amass about 32,000 soldiers. Sounds great to me. I've never been in battle, but I feel like that would be good. For me, as going on the mission field, I felt like the more money, the better in our savings account, probably. Um, for some of you, 
you have felt, you know, the more in this area, or the, if I have this, that will be better for my life. And so we all have different areas in where we think a larger number or whatever it is would be better for us. So we have a plan. We think this is what we need to make it work. That's what I thought. And the Lord's too. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now, these last three, these last few words, Mine own hand hath saved me. I remember Pastor Paul telling me when I called him from the Philippines, like, My plan's not working, Pastor Paul. What do I do? And Pastor Paul's like, Well, what did you think? Like, you would say, like, You're a great planner? No, God wants you to trust Him. Do you trust Him? And that is so similar to the story of Gideon, isn't it? Gideon, <laughs> Gideon, Gideon's, God says, I don't want you to trust yourself. I don't want the nation to trust themselves. I want them to trust me. Verse three, now therefore go, and, and for sake of time, we'll kind of summarize. God says, you know, get rid of some of the men. Let's have lower. Let's lower it down. Okay, good. We lowered it down. Let's lower it down again. Felt like for, it, it felt like for me, God kept lowering and lowering the amount of income and all the things like, you don't need this. You don't need that. I'm going to take care of you. So, then in the, in the story, what happened is Gideon got down to about 300 men. And God said, that's the number I want. And I don't need them to carry swords. I, I don't need them to carry big weapons. I don't need any of that. I've got a plan for what I want them to do. So verse 19, so Gideon and the 100 men that were with him came onto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. I mean, this is crazy. You got to spend time reading this story. This is crazy. This is their weapon, the, the trumpets and the pitchers. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break their pitchers and held their lamps into their left hands and their trumpets into their right hands. I mean, the detail in this ancient account. Uh, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And as the story progresses, they, they, they whip them. I mean, they beat them and they win a big victory and they free Israel from the oppression. This ancient account of Gideon has applications into our lives today. It was new for me, a new way to appreciate it was, yes, I've heard the, the preaching, and trust God, lean not on your own understanding. Yes, I've seen how Gideon could do it. Something Pastor Mark said earlier today was how he grew up here watching the Virginals, the wolves, the, the, all of you the, who, who have been here so long and seeing you trust God, seeing you live for God. And that is the exact same thing for me, seeing that in our own, in my own life and in my wife's own life. That was the thing we knew because yes, we, we had the instruction of trust in the Lord. We saw the personal, uh, or the ops. We observed what, what Gideon says. And this is why you should be in the word of God. So you can see those things of people's lives who learn to trust God. But not only that, and this is why church is so good. We could, we could observe other people. And then when we had our own experience, we said, okay, we've seen it. We've heard the truth. We're going to trust God. We're just going to leap and a net will appear, right? We're going to trust God with all that we have. And, and when, when you make that decision to trust God, it, 
it pays dividends because God is good. And so my wife and I have learned to really, really be able to say, God is good. You see that story. I don't know if you guys hear about, about Josh, Julian, and, and their family, and Hannah and the kids. You see how, how, and that's been an encouragement even to me as talking to Josh or seeing his post about that and how you can just keep learning to trust God more and more, even when it looks like, no, I can't trust him. Even when there are things in life that just, I'm not so sure. I, I, I don't know. Can I trust him in my parenting? Like, like Pastor Scott was saying this. Can I really trust that? Or, or, or with the addict, your addiction, how can I, how can I trust that God will take this away from me? Or maybe for you, it's a, it, it, as a teenager, you, kids, it, it's with peer pressure. It's, it's, it's with your insecurities or, or expectations. Maybe you feel God calling you to do something and you just don't know. Can I really do it? There are always going to be a million question marks, but there's one answer and it is that God is good. Peter had the same experience. Peter said, and you guys know how when, when Jesus called Peter, right? Well, well, in, in Luke 5, when Jesus called Peter and he asked him, hey, just push out your boat. I just want you to do this for me. Just push out your boat. And little did Peter know after pushing out the boat and letting him use his boat, he asked him to follow him. But what Jesus said to Peter was awesome. He said, he said, and Simon answering said unto, unto him, Master, Peter says, Master, you know, I've been here all night. I've, I've taken everything. I, I mean, I'm tired. But nevertheless, at your word, at thy word, I will let down the net. Because you, what is he saying? Because you said so, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust you because you said so. And that is why it is so important to be a part of the church and to be in God's word every day. Because if you don't know what his word is, you won't know how you can, you won't be able to trust him. But the more you know, the more you, you experience, the more you see other people's observations, you observe what they saw, you get God's instructions in your life you also can learn to trust him in the same way that Gideon did, in the same way Peter did. And the list goes on and on and on, even hearing of, of how the same for Dr. Scudder. And I have learned in our lives, my wife and I have learned in our lives to trust God. And maybe for you, it's just a simple yes to something small God's asking you to do. And you just say, yes, God, I will do that. I, I um, am so glad that I learned from this church something that has made my life 10,000 times better. And that is the gospel. If you're here today or you're watching on the live stream and you have never put your trust in Christ, it's a very simple thing. It's not complicated. So many of, so many people make it complicated, but it's not. I, I, I like to, I, I love how Dr. Scudder always did showed us the very simple truth of if this is you and me, and this is all of us people in the world, and my phone represents all the bad things we've ever done, if we all have bad things. But if this hand here is Jesus, if it represents Jesus respectfully, we'll make this be Jesus for our representation here. It, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross to take away our sins. Actually, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 20, he, God, made him Jesus who knew no sin because he was without sin. He made him to be the sin for us, to take away our sin, that, that we, 
And John says it even better. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish. That if you put your trust in him, that he took it away, you would not perish, but you would have everlasting life. And that is the best news. So many people, especially in the Philippines, which is a very religious country, they think, okay, sure, Jesus is good. But you know what? I, 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 I believe in him, yes. But I also would like to add some of my, I say, this is your good works. I'd like to add some of my good works to it. But the good works cannot take away your sin. They can cover it. Maybe someone doesn't know about it. But God can see your sin is still there. It is not by your good works. The Bible says here in Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you never put your trust in Jesus alone today, I'd encourage you to make that decision today. Um, thank you all so much for your time. I was glad to be able to speak full English today. Uh, let's, let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We are so blessed, my wife and I, to be back with our uh, church family from when we were just kids and in college. And we love them so much. And we're so thankful for a church that loves the mission field, loves the Philippines, and is so willing to help in spreading the gospel there. I pray if there's anyone here who hasn't never put their trust in Christ, that they would do that and they'd be saved today. And, and they would know the angels in heaven are rejoicing in that. Lord, this is in your name we pray. Amen.